0: Sandy, oh, you sound far away from me right now. Oh my God, I am finally back in LA in Los Angeles. And it feels so good, mostly because it's not as humid as it is in Toronto right mm-hmm. now. And it's so nice to be in this kind of
1: heat. I love it. How are you doing? I'm great as well. So basically, we're both existing in some pretty nice spaces.
0: (laughs) (laughs) We're both existing in our preferred spaces, I think, is what's happening right now. (laughs) And holy shit, did you hear the news this week?
1: Uh, The news this week, uh, I heard that Justin Trudeau went to the Calgary Stampede. Is that what you're talking about? Hell no. (laughs) Um, I'm not sure any news this week stuck in my mind. I mean, come on. There is
0: only one big thing that everyone is expecting us to talk about this week. It's Patrick Brown. Patrick <laughs> Brown. Being kicked out. No, obviously not. It's it's the fact that Canada like collectively lost internet. But we should also talk about Patrick Brown.
1: Yes, absolutely we should. I... I love that guy, you know? Like, his face is so smooth, and you just know that he's up to something. Okay. Um,
0: <laughs> that is... A take that one could have his face. It's smooth. I don't know. Like, I feel like he must be a certain kind of annoying for the conservative party to continue to want to bash him down so badly before we get into annoying people, annoying telecom companies, annoying ways that we are currently living our lives, annoying politicians refusing to take care of all of these problems that we've always known existed. Perhaps we should do something not annoying and be grateful
1: Mm, Yeah. And you know what, this week, it's going to take pretty much one second to be grateful because um, we've got one person to shout out. So thank you so much this week to Jennifer for your support for the show. Um, And it's a lot. So thank you so, so, so much. We really, really appreciate it. And thanks to everyone that's been sharing the episodes. I've I've noticed a lot more activity with our episodes. I mean, last week, I think really hit a, a chord with people, eh?
0: Yeah, and I'm. I think we've gotten quite a bit of feedback too. I I mean, we got feedback even on LinkedIn. We never get feedback on LinkedIn. (laughs) So on what? Yeah, I know. Are you aware of this uh, social platform, Nora? Do you? Are you? No, no. I mean,
1: You know what? People are going to now look to see I'm on and be like, Nora's lying. So yeah, okay. I know about LinkedIn, but I am contractually obliged to be there.
0: Oh, you're actually on LinkedIn. Yes, (laughs) I didn't know. Um, In any case, (laughs) uh, thank you so much for all of the feedback from last week's episode. It seems like a lot of people are having similar conversations. And so hopefully, you know, down the road, we continue, we will be able to continue that conversation, maybe push the boundaries of it, have deeper conversations about what we talked about last week, which was kind of how the whole world is falling apart and our frustrations with, Um, you know, the left and how we're all dealing with falling apart. So if you haven't listened to last week's, it was a good one. Um, Again, lots of feedback and lots of uh, people listening to that. So thank you. Thank you. And thank you, Jennifer.
1: Yeah. and, And also, like, as the episode kind of gets to in the arc of the show, that we all can do something, that we all have things that we can be doing. And so I encourage folks to listen to that if you haven't yet. But of course, I mean, if you're listening to us right now, that means you probably did listen to last week's episode. So, you know, send it to like people that you think need to hear it. (laughs) Do us a favor.
0: (laughs) Okay. So um, what do we start with? The communications apocalypse of 2022 or Patrick Brown's personal apocalypse number 10? Mm, Very good. Which one? What do you think?
1: I think that the telecommunications apocalypse of uh, 2022 is much more important. So let's start with Patrick Brown. So he is yesterday's man. He's nobody right now. Oh, except he does have... Uh, Canada's best lawyer, Mary Heinen, working for him, which is how journalists have been describing her. It's like, I'm sorry,
0: do you guys... Sorry, wait, back up, back up, back up, back up, back up. up. (laughs) Say it slower, because I missed that piece in the news. What? She's doing what?
1: (laughs) (laughs) So Patrick Brown got kicked out of the conservative leadership race for impropriety. Now, we do not know what that impropriety was. Uh, Knowing his background, it could be, like, corruption. It could be sexual assault. It could be um they don't like his face it could be they don't want him in the race because they want to anoint Pierre Polyever with as l- least friction as possible like we just don't know ding 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 right I know that you <laughs> I, think that and i
0: bets on my bet is on that last one I know that this man is uh someone who is very likely someone who has committed sexual assault but I do not think that the conservative party cares about that
1: Oh no! If anything, they fucking love that shit, right? Like,
0: yeah. In fact, if you were to round up all of the conservative politicians and do a census on that, I, you know, I wouldn't no, be surprised I, 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 if I, I, it was I, I, I. Hi- I, I, <laughs> a little higher than the. Uh.
1: <laughs> Those noises, everybody, are not actionable. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> So we don't know what it is, but but what we do know is that he ser- he signed up a lot of people. Did you see Sandy? How many people he signed up to the to the party for his like during his campaign?
0: It was was it? Am I incorrect in saying that it was in the in the tens of thousands?
1: Yes, you're incorrect. Is it
0: in the hundreds of thousands?
1: <laughs> yeah, it was, it was yeah. almost three hundred thousand. No, it was a, almost a hundred and fifty thousand. So I guess the hundred thousands is not exactly true. I maybe misled you there. But he he apparently signed up almost 150,000 members to the party, which is a lot because I think that they only reached 400,000 voting members. So 150,000 people is not insignificant. So we don't know if the improprieties are related to these new memberships, but it's certainly a tactic to sign up as many people as you can to try and influence the outcome of a of a, of a political race. That's like a tactic. That's a normal tactic. Anyway, he has hired Mary Heinen to represent him in a challenge of this decision to the leadership committee of the Conservative Party leadership race.
0: Wow, wow. Okay, um, I mean, he's hiring the big dogs out here. But also, I mean, the news from the Conservative Party of Canada's leadership organizing committee is that he is being disqualified because of violations of financial provisions of the Canada Elections Act. So, again... That just kind of sounds to me like some people don't like him running <laughs> because it just seems like one of those sorts of things that comes up when you want to eliminate someone from the race. That being said, it is a weird thing to do when it seems pretty clear that Pierre is going to win. Pierre Polyev is going to win. Mm-hmm. But I i mean, I don't know. I mean, they don't do first past the post. So I don't really know how they're voting Um, counting system works. So maybe the math with all of those new signups wasn't mathing. And so there, that's what's happening here. But I, I, it just seems like something that might be um, petty and uh, some sort of internal personal drama, um, which on the whole is a good thing, because, I mean, fuck his public political career should probably have been over um, a few a few allegations ago.
1: Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. And so it will be interesting to see because the way that the conservative leadership race goes is let's say Brown, you know, he's the mayor of Brampton, he has political roots in Barrie, uh, all combined is what like maximum t- 10 ridings. Like it's not that many ridings. Although I mean it's a lot compared to, you know, other provinces, but it's not a lot in the scheme of Ontario. If you if you do a rapid sign up, it's not likely that those that those new members are like evenly distributed across the ridings. You know, it's more likely that they're concentrated within one or two or three or four ridings. And so that actually wouldn't help him in the leadership race because it is it's a balanced uh, voting system that favors all ridings so that that the conservatives can't elect someone that only has support in like Alberta or only has support in like whatever the fuck the greater toronto area or or whatever so it's I do not i don't i'm not sure the other side of it for me is i i'm not convinced that the conservative leadership is so like opposed to brown like brown has no chance of winning like that's pretty fucking clear he might be the kingmaker, and that might be what they're what they don't like but i I don't i'm more on the side of like they must be alleging something serious that being said, the fact that it hasn't become public also is very, very sketchy. Now, I just want to jump to when the CBC The Current had a segment on this. It was so awesomely shitty because you had Rosemary Barton, who was like – Canada's worst interviewer somehow. She's like the fucking top political journalist at the CBC and is also at the same time the worst journalist, the worst interviewer, and she's like always laughing at people and it's like, lady, stop fucking laughing. But so she she was interviewing Robert Benzie who... Uh, I believe you're blocked by on Twitter. Um, I also am blocked by Robert Benzi because um, he was mad that people were challenging his impeccable credentials as an undergraduate history major from the University of Western Ontario. Anyway, um, Barton was making the point that there's no way that this legal case can go anywhere because if there's a violation of the elections act, no judge is going to take the case is what she said, which just demonstrated this tremendous amount of ignorance of like, suing people no no <laughs> I was judge like,
0: is gonna take the case <laughs> hmm.
1: yeah because it's like it's like too political this is a political thing this isn't uh this isn't something that any judge is going to want to get involved in.
0: (laughs) Um, Yeah, that's not how that works, but okay.
1: (laughs) No, and especially considering we don't know what it is. I mean, if we had the details and you're like, yep, that sounds pretty political, judges are probably not going to really want to meddle unless he sues them, and guess what? It goes to court. Like, that's how it works. Okay, and then the other thing that I was just loving was he had, he had Benzie, who, again, is the top seasoned veteran political affairs journalist at the fucking Toronto Star, the best fucking political journalist in the in the province. And honest to God, Sandy, this was his point. I just don't understand why Poliev's not pivoting to the center right now and trying to unite the party. Oh,
0: wow. Mm. He doesn't? He doesn't understand that? Where has he been?
1: Where has he been I'm, for the last two decades? I mean, unless he's... <laughs> unless he's pretending to be a fucking like a completely out to lunch like for everybody to like see i it was a very shocking thing to hear oh that's very embarrassing he d- he hasn't blocked me by the way oh well he blocked
0: Just me so you know <laughs> <laughs> it's because i don't use twitter like you do Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. as we discussed last week we're on the opposite poles of how to use uh, twitter correctly yes okay <laughs> so. right on the other, I'm of the poll that doesn't get blocked as much. But yeah, that is, that's pretty embarrassing um, uh, as a political analysis. Um, in fact, it just belies that you have no political analysis at all. Um, it's really obvious why he's not uh, trying to unite the party or moving to the center um, because he can get his support in other ways. <laughs> like no shit. <laughs> uh, and be way more successful in, in that. And so there we are. Uh, Patrick Brown a minor story this week relatively even though we are talking about the leadership race of uh you know what is likely going to be the next ruling party uh of canada wait wait you think that they will be yes <laughs> you don't you think the liberals have another year <laughs> the conservatives another uh, term
1: oh 100 percent. they're gonna do the yeah they'll put christopher freeland in there it'll be insufferable and they'll war themselves to fucking victory Okay. Okay. I'll take that bet. Okay. I'll take that bet. Okay. (laughs) Cool. All right. Well, um, that was not the most significant thing that happened this past week, was it? No. So I, I mean,
0: I got back to Los Angeles, it seems, at the perfect time because I was very surprised to try to, you know, doing, doing the things that I do on a regular basis, paying some bills Trying to get onto my bank app and being like, what is going on? And then learning, learning that all of Canada is apparently um, 404 file not found <laughs> <laughs> uh, because one telecom has been taken out. One. Can you believe that? Like, I- it. <laughs> Is stunning. I mean, from a, like, you know, for for those people who are, like, supposed to be concerned with, like, I don't know, what, like, Homeland Security or something, like, did, did that, how did that <laughs> feel to y'all? Like, what was that like to know that one private company that we don't know the inner workings of being taken down by God knows what? They said it was they, they were doing some like modem upgrades or some shit, which is like, uh, if that's what it is, it's really concerning. But, uh, you know, if it, them making their own goddamn mistake, apparently, one day can take down Canada Border Services, 911, Interact, banks, shopping without cash, <laughs> like everything, <laughs> phones, Internet holy shit that i uh it's a little bit of a problem so if you want to take out canada i mean gosh apparently we know what to do
1: (laughs) my absolute favorite was the message from the crtc saying that their services were interrupted because of the rogers outage wow wow (laughs) Yeah, yeah, the regulator, the regulator relies on the biggest fucking company to be able to do things. Um so there's a joke that I mean everybody has said probably at least once in this country which is Canada's three telecoms companies in a um in a trench coat. That joke is uh funny because it's true. Um two how... telecoms
0: and a mining company in a in a trench coat is I think how it goes. Oh,
1: you know what though? It's literally any industry there's only two or three companies in that code yeah 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 and so so yeah so what what does that mean what does that mean for what we need to do going forward and we will not obviously do because uh the elites are very much wrapped around the fingers of the rogers clan and what does it mean for all of us i i mean other than if you don't know how to live without your cell phone, take some lessons on how to live without your cell phone because it's it'll come in handy someday for sure.
0: Um, okay, so one thing that I thought was really interesting as I was like trying to take in all of the news that day, uh, and taking in uh, anecdotes from people that I know who are like struggling with day to day tasks, was that the news was doing a lot of like this the kind of reporting that has become kind of popular lately, you know, taking snippets from uh, Instagram or Twitter and being like, this is what people are saying about what is happening, and then putting their own sort of very minor analysis on it, and then putting it out there. So people were obviously very frustrated about the fact that just, you know, taking out Rogers takes out half the country's ability to function. uh, But I saw a lot in the news that they were taking those frustrations and saying, putting the headline on it, that um, average Canadians or regular folks or people on Twitter or whatever, however they're referring to them, are criticizing lack of competition in in telecom world, which is like, wow, really? Is that what they're doing? Is that what? Is happening like what an interesting way to put an analysis on this um that is like comes from a tweet that's just like fuck you rogers <laughs> you know what i mean it's like mm-hmm. i mean that could be what you take from it or it could also be that people are expressing fucking rage at the fact that so much in our world is dependent on communications And we have zero power over that and it could just all fall apart and no one's doing anything about that. Like maybe the rage is not about just competition. Maybe it's not about competition at all. Maybe it's just that how the fuck could we have a system that can so monstrously fall apart in over 15 hours. And so far as I can understand, it is now Sunday night that we're recording this. Some people still are without regular service. So over 72 hours for a lot of us. Like what in the world? What in the world? Is that about competition? Or is that about ah, this whole thing being fucked up? Maybe, I don't know, maybe profit shouldn't be the motivator for making sure that people can communicate with one another. <laughs> I don't
1: know. Oh, maybe, maybe. Well, uh, one of the things that I'm, I'm very curious about is how did we get here? How do we get to a place where people don't instantly look at Rogers and be like, you motherfuckers are the problem. You are the problem, not replicating another Rogers to create some sort of solution. Well, partly it's because Rogers Sports and Media owns a lot of our media, <laughs> right? So Rogers owns... City TV, owns Omni, owns a bunch of specialty networks like OLN and the Shopping Channel and the Wrestling Channel and fucking Sportsnet. Um, they used to own a lot of magazines, which is actually, I think, the reason why I'm now able to write for McLean's because they sold it. And it always felt like this was a decision that McLean's made to um you know to publicly blacklist me kind of came from the top. <laughs> so that was nice that uh, Rogers divested those properties um, like McLean's and other um, other magazines. but they are- and
0: they have massive influence over our education system, uh, sports, arts and culture, all sorts of stuff.
1: Yes, exactly. And so they are like absolutely massive 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 this is a company that made fucking net income in 2020 net income in 2020 the pandemic was 2.9 billion dollars and in the calendar year 2021 oh, their their income went down to 1.56 billion motherfucking dollars so, like, there's a whole bunch of ways that we can cut this story up. There's the the what happens when it goes down and, and what happens to people's ability to work, like how many taxi drivers were out of work for the whole day and, or DoorDash workers or anybody that relied on Interac. Right. I'm sure all of us have a story, even though, I mean, I was in Quebec where not many people that I know are on Rogers. And so, like, I didn't have any cell phone or Internet problems, but we couldn't use Interac anywhere like at all. Um, and people literally thought that there was like a power problem and not a Rogers problem because it's invisible because people don't understand actually how ubiquitous Rogers really is. So there's that side. Then there's the political influence that Rogers has and the, the the influence that Rogers has, the family has with like the Trump family or like how John Tory is in this fucking world or, or, or all the all the other politicians that they own. That's another way to talk about this. And then the way to talk about this is, of course, this whole profit stuff and and what the profits do generally uh, to um, the way in which the profits drive so much about what's wrong with Canada, right? So it's like you've got Rogers making $2 billion or $1.5 billion net fucking, fucking dollars, like people making themselves in exceedingly rich extracting blood from a stone from people who cannot pay their monthly cell phone and internet bills even though they're a bare necessity to survive within society right now like i know sandy you were talking to me before one of our our, uh our shows just about the difference in your in your own phone bill when you came back from the states like canadians pay some of the highest phone rates like on purpose because of companies like fucking rogers
0: Oh, yeah. And to give people uh, an idea of what I was talking about when I, I was unexpectedly in Canada for over two months, <laughs> wasn't expecting to be in Canada for that long. So I was roaming for over two months and I was terrified to take a look at my phone bill, which was cheaper than when I went into Canada. No, it was it was. I'd never. Yeah, I um Really recommend if you could figure out how to get a U.S. phone plan. It's probably cheaper than sticking with a Canadian telecom.
1: (laughs) Isn't that interesting? Well, there's that competition piece, (laughs) I guess. eh? We can all go with, like, I don't know, Verizon or something. (laughs) It's
0: it's still fucked, okay? (laughs) Let me be clear that it's still fucked. We're still paying too much. But it is stunning to me that I could have been roaming for two months and paid just over $40 a month. Wow. In internet. Yeah. In Internet. In, uh, in data. And I, I was using my phone as though I wasn't roaming. I had to. So, I mean, fuck. The other way we could talk about this, too, like, is what a fucking failure of the public service this has been and continues to be. From the moment it became clear that we needed to rely on the Internet for life, for um, essential services for all sorts of things. I mean, God, Nora, I feel like the first time we mentioned this was like in the first season. Do we have seasons? I don't know. It was, yeah, kind of first year. (laughs) It was in the first year of this show that it just like, it really makes no sense year after year after year, election after election, after election that we don't have conversations about the public provision of access to communications in this country and uh, told you so, I
1: guess. (laughs) Yeah, emergency services um, being so negatively impacted by the Rogers outage is like probably the most obvious example of that. And and this is what happens when they get privatized. This is what happens when Canada needs Rogers or, I mean, in the same way that they were going to need Huawei before that whole thing collapsed to build a 5G network, right? Canada doesn't doesn't have the interest officially to do any of this stuff. I mean, there still is like one or maybe more than one, but I can only think of one public telecoms company in Canada, which is called SaskTel. Right. So shout out to the folks that work at at Saskatel and everyone else that uses them like whatever. That is good. That's a crown corporation that still exists. But there's absolutely no reason for why there wouldn't be anything nationally. And it's 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 funny because, you know, I was saying online that, you know, we 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 don't know what happened. Government will call uh, there will be calls from opposition parties to have an inquiry. Government will refuse, but they will appoint somebody to do an investigation and then eventually we will not know what happened. Like, that's just going to be the obvious arc of this whole story. Um, and then I was like, because, you know, it's not like the opposition parties are really calling for a public option. And then people were like, well, the NDP is calling for a public option. And so it's like, Are oh, they? Yeah. Are When? They? Since are when? They? Since when? i sorry. Um, I... Yeah. Mm. <laughs> so I went, well, I mean, if people responded in this thread with, uh, with policy from 2021, I guess, from the party. Uh, From the NDP and the way that they've worded it, it like. I hope that someone made fucking $50,000 off of wording this in the most weaselly way possible just to make sure that no one actually believes you would ever fucking do this. But the party policy does say something like make the steps to start the creation of a national public telecommunication network. But maybe even that's too strong because it's very, very hedged. But regardless, this is this is happening. And I was like, well, Singh must be saying something. And of course, he's not. He didn't like he he was like, this is an outrage. But he didn't say fucking create tomorrow. I'll be I'll be serving a motion to create a national public telecommunications, uh, you know, infrastructure or something like this. And it's just so it's so amazing that like that has been absolutely ridded from the conversation intentionally, so that it isn't something that people can instantly say, like, why, Sandy, do we need democratic to control over these kinds of things?
0: Oh, well, come on. I mean, I think it's quite obvious. It's like, If we had Democratic control, we could, um, as a public, have a public conversation about what we wanted to prioritize, how we wanted to prioritize it, how people access it, what happens when it goes down, whether we needed to have a backup system, the removing profit as the motivator, no longer makes it so that people are trying to deliver this service as cheaply as possible while making the most profit that they possibly could. In fact, the, the hope in making it public is that the motivator would instead be just providing the service um, as best as we can to as many people as possible, uh, as reliably As possible, and doing it in a way where we could, as the public, then scrutinize the way that it is being carried out and change it from time to time to time. That's how it's supposed to be with any public service. And that is what we lose when we remove these really essential services from the public sphere is the ability to, one, find out what the fuck happened and, two, make sure that these sorts of things don't happen. And so, I mean, as we're living in this time when so many of our public services are at the risk of being privatized, I mean, this is a good... This is a good sort of canary in the coal mine, I suppose, of a service that has already been massively privatized and what the consequences are. It is so tied to public life. It is so tied to public life, Uh, to the provision. You know, I was talking to my cousin, who's a nurse in emergency rooms, who was just like, we're not doing anything. Everything's just everyone's just kind of standing around because nothing's connecting. Like, can you imagine your emergency services have fallen apart as a result of one telecom having one some some sort of fuck up Mm -hmm. like that? It's absolutely. I mean, I it's kind of unbelievable. It is totally unbelievable. But yes, I just it. There's no reason for something like this to not be public.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, 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 totally. Now, one of the things that I have just always been shocked by since I I kind of put these two things together in my book is like just how much Rogers profit is like that 2.1 billion in 2020 or let's say 1.56 billion in 2021 Like, do you know, Sandy, what the total government funding for CBC Radio-Canada is? No. So it, in 2020, 2021, so I mean, we're on an offset year from the fiscal year for Rogers. It was $1.394 Wow. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, like, the entire national public broadcasting system gets less money than this private company that just gouges us and so yeah if it was in public hands would they have the mandate to gouge us or would we actually be able to have cell phone bills that look like the rest of the world cell phone bills or would we decide actually yeah paying higher is okay because we've got you know this net two billion dollars that we can then place Anywhere that we want, back into the Canadian, you know, uh, public, back into the economy, back into services of some fucking kind. Impossible to ha- to ha- hand all of that over to the Rogers family. With all of the discussions that we've been having in this country about Russian oligarchs and the fact that the Westons, the Rogers, the fucking thompson's like all of the families in this country that have the massive massive fucking wealth is like not being talked about as if they aren't also oligarchs is like it's just so sickening and it hides from average people like the reality of why things are the way they are like why do you get why do you pay what you pay for your cell phone bill? Why do you pay the overage fees that you have to pay to Rogers or to all of them? I mean, this is the other thing, too. It's like Rogers is part of an industry and it's not as if like fucking Bell or TELUS or, or Videotron or any better. But they all move together because the, they're too big for the governments to actually rein in. And there's no public fucking intervention in any of this stuff. So like the the worst thing about it is we've seen now. How easy it is for things to go down and no one's going to do fucking anything with any power to stop it from happening again, which is which is shitty because then it's like, OK, so then what are our options? What do what can we actually fight for as citizens? Well, I mean, we can make movements for public options. Certainly um, there's uh, delivering community power is a really good example of that. The Union of, of Postal Workers uh, campaign to try and, you know, expand the mandate of Canada Post. There's some interesting stuff going on. Of course, Nikki Ashton has been a big proponent of, of of nationalized services and nationalized infrastructure in this country, but it's it's still too marginal. It's still not mainstream enough. And it's because it cuts to the very core of what this fucking shitty country is, which is that we don't actually have any industry. Everything that we have is exploitative and and extractive. And that's it. It, like, isn't that so pathetic? Absolutely. I mean, I think
0: it's also a good idea just to take a look at what some of the different parties were saying. So you mentioned um, what Jagmeet Singh um, – I mean, I think it's really interesting that, like, none of the parties actually have in, like, their official news, like, anything. Like, there's no – and, I mean, that might have something to do with, like, how parties get donations or something. Like, I'm not sure – But it's like, you know, usually parties will have like a running uh, news thing on their website of like, you know, uh, whatever they want to talk about with respect to what's happening in the day. Um, And whether that's like a blog or like a media, media, an online media room or whatever. But none of the major parties seem to have anything um, talking about this. It's just like weird. (laughs) Um, but so, just taking a look at what uh, some of the party folks have said on social media, I mean, conservatives are talking about lack of competition, obviously. Um, Jugmeet Singh, uh, like, it sounds like, um, as I've complained about on this podcast before, like us, you know, like people being like, this is out- outrage. And it's like, okay, yeah, but you are supposed to come with ideas. Like, mm-hmm. you are supposed to come with solutions, but he's just like, this is, this is terrible. And it's like, yeah, we're all there. And um, the Minister of Innovation, did you see what he said? Spoke to the CEO of Rogers, shared with him the frustration of millions of Canadians. Also spoke to the CEOs of both Bell and Telus. Everyone is in solution mode, willing to help. This unacceptable situation is why quality, diversity, and reliability are key to our telecom network. Key to our telecom network. (laughs) Whose?
1: What the fuck does he think he
0: owns? (laughs) Dude, I don't know. I'm just like, you're the government. (laughs) You are the government. You're the person in charge of what should be our telecom network. Network. So tell me, when you're referring to our telecom network, what are you referring to? You just named three private companies who you apparently called up to be like, hey, can we talk right now? Shit's dire. But what the fuck are you actually doing to make sure that we are never in this situation? Like, my God, it's just... uh, I don't think our government knows that they're government. like that they are a government. Like, I just think that they have, you know, they do believe that this is an oligarchy and they're just like, we're at the whims of them. So we'll just call them up on the phone, have conversations and then yell like everybody else.
1: Well, it's because they're they're in management mode, right? They they don't fucking govern fuck all. They manage and they manage a Canadian economy that is led by... These corrupt pieces of fucking shit whose only job is to grind us all into the ground and anyone that that wins whether it's the conservatives whether it's the NDP whether it's the liberals they understand that their job is managing the the, the oligarchies to make sure that eh, this doesn't happen because it's actually really bad if this happens like we got to make sure that Rogers is not going to go down ever again because you guys understand then we'll have pressure to actually regulate you further so you got to you can only imagine how that conversation went right and i think part part of it is is just the, the the victory of neoliberalism in terms of our our minds and our understanding of how politics works and you can see this in literally every single issue in canada every single 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 issue um where everything is about the individual's hard work ethic dedication to the job dedication to the people of canada doing their best and there's literally no Uh there's no structural analysis, there's no governmental systems analysis, there's nothing. It's it's all boiled down into these individuals. And this is the image they project to average people, and average people are looking at them going, Well, fuck yeah, like what's what's Champagne gonna do? Like, he's gotta call the Rogers, you know, president, and the president's like, Oh, yeah, yeah, this won't happen again. And uh Champagne's like, uh, okay, like you better fucking make sure it doesn't happen again. It's like that is not how government works. Government is supposed to govern it's supposed to set out what the priorities of the the current governing party are and to steer this country into certain ways to realize those goals, but they don't have any goals their goal is to protect capital at all costs. Of course, okay, that's a goal, fine. And everything gets oriented towards that while they project this incredibly narrow image of what politicians are and what politicians do. And so then average people are like, well, what the fuck? I can't get ahead. Everything sucks. I can't, no one, no one's listening to me. Politicians are corrupt. They're not paying attention to my issues. It's all so fucking obvious. It couldn't be more obvious. The problem, of course, is that you're not allowed to say this stuff on television because you get fucking censored. Like- they they don't like they don't let you on they don't let you be a commentator they don't let this kind of analysis pierce through that very specific neoliberal frame that has been so curated for so long and then of course that's been aided uh, by social media where we do interact like that with one another where we are individuals to individuals and i can respond to justin trudeau and he might respond to me and then people will be like what the fuck do you expect nora like you got what you wanted it's it's a really incredible um like system of smoke and mirrors and th- what I find most fascinating is it's like you know there's a reason why the story the emperor's no clothes like the emperor's clothes is still such a cutting allegory <laughs> despite the fact that like hundreds of years have passed between that first writing and where we are today.
0: Yeah, I think the the note to maybe close this episode on is why do we need communication so much? I mean, it's obvious that we need some form of, you know, high-speed ability to communicate with each other across space um, in order to, you know, function in 2022, for sure. Um, But, geez, I think that we all have to be aware of the fact that we, in, in a world that we live in right now where... Um, three telecoms um, and more two than three uh, control pretty much everything about the way that we communicate with one another, that we need to um, either admit to ourselves that we're putting a whole lot of trust into these uh, companies that don't care about us or understand that we always have to be prepared to um to experience something like this, to experience a, a failure of mm-hmm. the, the, a profit-motivated system to take care of our needs, which means that we can't live our lives completely dependent on cell phones and the internet, and we should be demanding that any other public services that we rely on, from education to emergency services to public health, should always, always have some sort of backup to be able to do things by hand if this sort of a system fails. Whether it's public or private, to be honest, if a system fails, we should have a backup to be able to deal with it. There should never be the response to, um, I have an emergency, is uh, the internet's down. (laughs) It doesn't make any sense. We didn't always have the internet, mm-hmm. and we could have responded to um, to emergencies that were happening in our um, in our world. Uh, if you need to, you know, uh, purchase something in order to make it to the next meal, make it to the next week, you shouldn't be dependent on solely uh, an interact system that is dependent on solely Rogers um, functioning well enough so that you can feed your family at the next meal like that doesn't that is not a sustainable system as we saw very clearly um during this communications apocalypse so um you know it shouldn't be on us individually to figure out how to make our lives work without the internet that's not what i'm really saying although if you can it's not it's not a bad idea to figure it out, but it's, it is on us collectively to demand that our public services aren't reliant um, on just one way of being in communication with each other, especially when that one way is opaque to us.